Welcome to Catechesis, also known as Cats and Jesus. Catechesis is Greek for teaching, and that's what our hosts, Reverend James Goodlett and Reverend Adam Roberts, will do with this podcast, Teach. Each week, they will study, discuss, and dissect the week's scripture and spoken word. Catechesis is a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Welcome your hosts, James and Adam. Welcome to Catechesis, a production of Lewis and Broad Media. My name is James Goodlett. I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church. And for our weekly look at the scriptures with the Reverend Dr. Adam Roberts. Adam. Yo, my friend. You doing okay today? (laughs) I'm doing well. Yeah, uh, life is busy, but full of good things. I hope that's the case for everyone. Busy and full of good things. And I don't know, it's always the weather for me. And you know, you could be listening to this. I hope someone will be listening to this, I don't know, three, four hundred years from now and reflecting on our eloquence and insight. Um, But on this day, if it, it let's just wait let's just hold, of february no let's just on. let's just hold off on it if, if this is what people are listening to in three or four hundred years either a we vastly underestimated ourselves or yeah. b or b that is a sad sad <laughs> statement about the state of affairs in the 21st century it might be like my eighth great grandchild or something that wants to know about However that works, you know, generations down the line. I'm not 100% sure that Aunt Rhonda over here truly believes that this is what people will be listening to. (laughs) I think they want to hear me wax about the subtropical weather in LaGrange, Georgia on February 15th. Well, I I did read that the weather is a little, it's a little dicey in the next couple of days. Uh, Everybody needs to hunker down. We'll talk about the weather over there. Auntie. No. She's just, (laughs) she is working away. She's, she just. It's, I'm going to start calling the, that the weekly refusal. <laughs> when we try to get her on mic, ah, uh, uh, she's she is hard at work though. I got to give her credit. She's making a design for a uh, Good Friday requiem that will be happening on Good Friday. On Good Friday, here at First Presbyterian Church. That's April. I actually know this. That's April seventh because that is the day I have a group returning from a trip to Florida over spring break. Servants, uh, students going down to serve uh, with United Methodist Disaster Recovery in Fort Myers, Florida. So Are you going? I'm going. Oh, man. Yep. Look at you. Well, it is It is about that time of year. I mean, like you said, the Ides of February, a uh, week from today as of the re- day of this recording yes. is Ash Wednesday, which means a couple things. Lent is on the horizon and so hopefully folks are starting to think about how they will be keeping a holy lent this year and i don't by that i do not necessarily mean you giving up soft drinks or something like that maybe maybe that's what it is for you maybe that's your version of fasting but what are the things that we need to do to to really keep our eyes upon what's what's coming the other thing it means that Ash Wednesday is a week from today is that this Sunday, as is the case in the liturgical calendar, is Transfiguration Sunday. Mm. Ne- never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> Transfiguration Sunday. Um, 
Yeah, let's talk about this real quick before we dive into the scriptures. We're actually touching upon a couple of scriptures today. One, Exodus 24, 12 to 18. Another one, Matthew 17, 1 to 9. But before we get into those scriptures, Transfiguration Sunday, it's... Yeah, so, yeah. Let's talk about well, that. When I was a when I was a young preacher, <laughs> uh, just starting out... Many a millennia ago. I... Uh, I decided I'm going to follow the flow of lectionary scripture passages Sunday to Sunday, and let's go at least one time through the liturgical year and, and do that in my preaching, which is common in, in United Methodist churches. Although in the United Methodist churches I grew up in, it was not that common. And so I thought, well, I want to I do this. I didn't have really familiarity even then having grown up in church with the concept of Transfiguration Sunday. I remember when we got there, and it was my first time to try to preach on this text, I thought that was challenging, <laughs> to say the least. And it never got a lot better for me over the years. And uh, so much so, uh, I just admitted uh, to, to James earlier, um, uh, there were many a year when I said, eh, we're just going to freestyle this Sunday, and then we'll start Lent. That'll be fine, but not, yeah, not doing this one. But here's the interesting thing that I said to Adam in pre-pro is he's not the first preacher I've heard go this route. Just yeah. skip over it. And, Give and up. I'm, I'm really <laughs> curious. Fly the white flag. I'm, I'm really curious what that's about. What, what do you think it's about? Uh, you know, the the deep mystery of this passage. Um, now, we've talked about mysterious Bible passages quite a bit, I think, since we've begun catechesis, but uh, this is one where I've always probably struggled the most, I think because it is so deeply rooted in Judaism, and perhaps my knowledge, certainly my knowledge level, is not as deep as it might need to be to fully grasp all the pieces of, of what's going on here symbolically, um, the, the real deep meaning of this. It has just always left me with way more questions than answers uh, and even a struggle to understand why. Why does this happen? Why does this happen right here in this gospel? What is happening? <laughs> Pretty much some basic foundational confusion. Yeah, I'll say this. Last week, you and I labored through the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. Uh, it, itself a challenging scripture. I tried in vain to preach it on Sunday. I'm sure I fell dreadfully short. Now we get to the Transfiguration text, which on the surface of it is a fun scripture, a, a powerful, meaningful scripture where Jesus goes up on a mountain and he takes Peter, James, and John, and yeah, this amazing event happens. But when it comes to preaching it and diving into it, you're right. There is some modicum of gray. Yeah, you know, it's spectacular. It's a spectacular passage of scripture. I think you can... You can script this one and direct this one in your mind in any number of ways, and there's going to be special effects involved. I mean, it is a spectacular piece of Scripture. And almost like uh, if you were watching a beautiful, amazing sunset, uh, and you're having the experience of this is miraculous. Uh, look how small I am in the world. Look how much I don't understand. 
And then you felt like your task was describe this sunset and its meaning in detail to a group of people. Sort of lose, you sort of lose it there a little. Or maybe it's like watching Rihanna at Super Bowl. <laughs> she goes up on okay, a platform. Go, go ahead there, buddy. You're she on, goes yeah. up on a platform. <laughs> it had to be 100 feet in the air. And everybody's just looking up at her like, what's happening? You know, like... <laughs> The transfiguration is like Rihanna. That's what I always Yeah, thought. that'll preach yeah. nowhere. Or maybe it will. I don't know. <laughs> it won't for me. I don't think I can quite make that leap, though it was a stunning performance on her part. We digress. <laughs> um, yeah, so why don't, we, why don't we see where it leads us today? It's important for us to remember what we, we, we've been in Matthew for a, a while. We've said it. A thousand times that this scripture really, this this gospel is really about establishing Jesus as this new Moses figure. Uh, was written in the eighties CE, so first century, in a time uh, when the church was trying to find itself and trying to discern exactly how it would be and, and on the heels of years and years of being God's people, God's Jewish people, uh, what does it mean? That, what does Christ's death, what does Christ's resurrection mean for the life of the Jews and of the Gentiles? What, just trying to make sense of all this. And so Matthew and Matthew's attempt to, to paint Jesus as this new mosaic figure, it is not coincidental Two things. Number one, that he goes up on a mountain because mountain would have a mountain would have set off all kinds of cues for first century listeners. All kinds of things happen in, in on mountaintops. Big, big revelations of God. Especially. Yeah, including the one of the other lectionary texts for the day, Exodus twenty four twelve to eighteen, where Moses goes up on the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the law, the commandment, and is surrounded by a great cloud which appears to the people as a devouring fire on the top of a mountain. So mountains, again, theophany, you're right, revelation. Things happen on mountaintops. That would have been cue number one. Cue number two would have been who Jesus sees on that mountaintop. He sees none other than Moses and Elijah, the two great prophets from, from the tradition. So again, Matthew is, is making it very plain that Jesus belongs in the company of, and in, in many ways is a fulfillment of, that which was testified by the Moses and the Elijahs of the world. Yeah, Elijah's got to go before, you know, it's the Messiah. This is, this is part of... Uh, the the evidence, but also the expected way uh, the Messiah would uh, be set apart, chosen, um, anointed, um, spectacularly so. Yeah. The other thing I think we need to remember, it's so easy for us to treat Scripture as, okay, you read a chapter and that's it. Like a chapter in a regular book, it, it kind of closes the scene and moves you to the next. I'm not sure that's really helpful sometimes when it comes to the Scriptures. I'm not saying that we should throw out all chapter and verse of Scripture, but 
it's easy to say, okay, well, once this chapter is done, it happens in isolation. It doesn't build upon the narrative. If you don't look at it this way, well, then Matthew 16, which immediately precedes our scripture for today, the transfiguration scripture, a lot happens with Peter, a.k.a. What did we call him a few weeks ago? <laughs> he's, uh, he's the rock. He's, he's the rock. He's Kepha. He's that, uh, Cephas. That's, that's right. So Dwayne Johnson. Uh, Sorry, Dwayne I Johnson. I can resist. All right, we've got Dwayne and Rihanna references <laughs> today. Well, it's hip pop culture, man. That's, we're so hip. We're, the kids consider the kids. us. <laughs> so what happens with Peter uh, in, in the 16th chapter? Well, a, a couple of things. First of all, Jesus asks, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And Peter Finally answers you, the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus answers him, blessed are you, and you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Then just a few verses later, Jesus begins to show his disciples that he will not only have to go to Jerusalem, but he will have to undergo great suffering when he goes there and be killed and on the third day be raised. So basically, he's foretelling what's going to happen. And Peter takes him aside and says to him, Forbid it, Lord, this cannot happen to you. And what what is what does Jesus say to Peter? That's um strong, a strong reaction. Uh to actually full on uh Peter from Peter's perspective, he's gotta feel like Jesus was identifying him as Satan. Get in, behind me, Satan. Yeah, in terms of what he was saying. Now, I've always hoped here, this is not Jesus calling Peter Satan. This is Jesus saying Satan is afoot in this. This is the kind of reaction that's going to make this difficult. Right. So then it's very shortly after that, a few verses, if you were to just kind of ignore the fact there's a chapter number between them, which I'm sure is intentional, but it, the next thing we know after Jesus says, you got to take up your cross and follow me, this is what discipleship looks like, is that Peter and James and John are going up a high mountain with Jesus. So... When you look at all those different parts that lead up to this story, it kind of makes you wonder, what what was Jesus up to? On the heels of, of announcing or pronouncing Peter's rock of the church, get behind me, Satan, take up your cross and follow me, come up this mountain with me, and I'm, I'm really going to show you something. Oh, by the way, which we find out at the end, but it's only for you. And what do they see but a transfiguration? Metamorphosis is, is a word that is associated with that word transfiguration, a changing of form with or alongside Moses and Elijah. And therein lies the mystery. What, what exactly is Jesus up to, not only for Peter, James, and John, but also why did the first century church see fit to tell this story? Why was it so important? What were they trying to say and what does it mean in this world? Yeah. And those are, those are exactly some of the questions that uh, have caused me to sense difficulty with hundred percent confidence around preaching this passage and applying it to our lives. I think we can speculate about it and we can make some uh, hopefully educated guesses around what's happening uh, you know that comment earlier as I was discussing 
the, the mystery of this versus the mystery of, say, a healing story. For me, one thing that stands out is in a, one of the healing stories, I can't understand the, the way the healing took place, the power of Jesus that somehow manipulates time, space, bodies, sickness, healing to restoration. That I can't understand and articulate, but I can at least understand the, the need, the perceived need from the person in need of the healing uh, here, it's hard to even understand that. They're walking up the mountain, and suddenly transformation happens to Jesus. He begins to shine like the sun and uh, Moses and Elijah. So it seems to me, again, I don't have to understand it to appreciate it. I do think, especially in light of Jesus, then giving the instructions on the way down the mountain, don't tell anybody about this yet until after my resurrection. It, it feels as though this was for... Jesus, maybe in some sense it was for Moses and Elijah, certainly for Peter, James, and John. Um, would have been incredibly edifying and strengthening, I think, also probably frightening and confusing and uh, all those things. But they, they could not, in my opinion, have come away from that doubting the power of God in this person, Jesus, um, the identity of this person, Jesus. And that's going to carry him through all the things that are to come. Well, certainly from the lens of, of the gospel writer of Matthew, linking him, Jesus, directly with Elijah Moses. Huge check mark there on the box. Linking Jesus also with this being the son of God. This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Check mark. It it. it it does succeed in setting him up as this new mosaic figure. So for the purposes of the community in, in the 80s CE, I can understand why this story would be told. I think you're right, though, in transferring the significance of this moment to contemporary interpretation is challenging. Not impossible, but challenging. I, I think there's something to be said for the fact that in the verses immediately preceding, Peter didn't get it right. He got it right, then he didn't get it right. But even then, Jesus had grace enough to say, you're coming up the mountain with me. This is something you need to see. He doesn't get out of being chosen uh, to be the rock just because he got it wrong. That's right. Just because he was Satan one verse or, or... kind of cast in that light in one verse, he's still brought up. And part of me wants to, wonders if this was an instructive piece. Look, what I said back then, back there about having to die and being risen, it's real. And, and God says, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Listen to what he's saying, Peter. Listen to what he's saying, Moses, Elijah. Listen to what he's saying, James and John. I think there's something to be said for that. And Peter, even when he's up on the mountain, doesn't get it right. I mean, he's that whole bit about, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Okay, thank you for <laughs> Captain Obvious. That is bold, though, also, you know. Yeah. Lord, if you want, I got a suggestion. Yeah, you know? here you go. If you, yeah. I got, I just, I'm just spitballing here, Lord. We built uh, three shrines. I'm going to build some shrines. Yeah, I'm going to make these three dwellings here because I want to stay here. And the funny thing about it is they just ghost him. They just don't even <laughs> acknowledge that he says that. He does remain unacknowledged. That's he right. does. It's like, 
Nah, Peter. And there's the perfect metaphor for a preacher with Transfiguration Sunday, right? It's like, I'm going to, whatever I'm going to say about this. Nah. (laughs) Thank you for your input. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. That's true. I mean, there's no better metaphor than all a preacher. Good try. Um, (laughs) What would we do without you? You But so, uh, yeah, maybe it's just enough to invite God to allow us into these spectacular spaces. Uh, now, this gets pretty, I don't know, spiritual, mystical, I suppose, but I think those spaces exist where we have experiences unexpectedly uh, that are just transcendent. They might happen in worship or in a church context, but so often if we are open to it and can cultivate throughout a lifetime the ability to sense and see into situations and, and, and the presence of God, the, to be receptive to the Holy Spirit. I guess here I am talking a little more Methodist maybe. out of There's an element of this, uh, there's kind of, you know, there's some Pentecostal movements that emerge out of Wesleyanism. Uh, and, and I, I have those strains in my own family going back a generation or two. And so this idea that we can experience the overwhelming presence of God, uh, in the, in the day to day unexpectedly because God chooses it and chooses to allow us to be there. Uh, I can think about moments, uh, significant moments like birth and deaths that I've been present for, um, and, and then just great moments when a person is able to. Uh, articulate or speak something that they hadn't been able to, something about God, or to be overwhelmed by nature. That, for me, is a huge one. And to get a sense of perspective uh, of my own existence uh, as it relates to the the, the whole of creation. Um, some transcendent moments. They're a good thing. And we don't have to explain them. Can't. We, we don't have to understand them. Any attempt to sort of lessens them almost in some ways. We can just say, Lord... It is good for us to be here. Yes. This, these are the famous Anne Lamott prayers, right, of um, thank you, help me. And then the last one she says is just wow, <laughs> that that's a prayer. So this is the wow category. And then we're sent down the mountain to do the work. Yes. And we need not be afraid. And I, I do love that piece that... Peter, James, and John trying to make sense of this. All of a sudden, it's like, boom, voice of God. They fall to the ground, overcome with fear. And Jesus, who took him up the mountain, says, don't be afraid. All will be well. Come back down the mountain with me. Yeah. And let's do the work. Yeah. yeah. Pretty great message. So that's our take for now that's it good luck james you're the one that's got to preach i don't know man i i heard you're preaching at first Presbyterian church this sunday uh i'll be having about my third cup of coffee no hey i might be here you never know you know where i'll turn up you know what if you're here i'll give you a a big shout out well i get afraid that's when you're gonna say uh, come on up and we're gonna do live catechesis we're gonna do a live preach off (laughs) catechesis style aunt Rhonda, come up here with your headphones and let's and then she'll and she'll just give us the weekly refusal right there (laughs) 
That wraps up this episode of Catechesis. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to hear other podcasts, go to lewisandbrot.org. The season five is on the horizon. I haven't said too much about that, but it is coming up. I think we'll have some information coming soon, right? And she gave me the yes nod, so that's good. And then April 23rd, Listen LaGrange, a music festival to fight poverty, benefiting Circles of Troop County over at Pure Life House of Music. It's going to be an incredible day. Put it on your calendars and hope to see you all there. Thanks, as always. My name is James Goodlett. I am Adam Roberts. And for Leighton Parker, we say talk to you all next time. Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Follow along on our social media and our websites at fpclagrange.org and lewisandbrod.org. Until next week.